Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It is Wednesday, the 16th of January. Joining me once again, as always, it is Jay, Blades Analytic. How are you today, mate? Uh, we are okay. We are busy, but we have to find time to talk about another United win because we just do. I know it's uh yeah it's it's been a good uh, a good few weeks for Sheffield United I would say despite you know the the Barnet FA Cup defeat uh, which maybe if we've got time we can talk about very very briefly I suppose um, but yeah four wins in a row uh, three straight clean sheets uh, obviously we're talking about the win over QPR at the weekend um, which I think was a, a pretty comfortable win and, and as it happens. Um, you know, it sort of looks even even bigger once uh, once full time came round, and you see the results of uh, other teams around us as well. And yeah, back up to second in the league, and everything looking pretty rosy. I mean, what's the gap to seventh place now? Is it? I should know that. Is it ten points? I want to say nine? Might be nine. Uh, I could have looked this up before we actually started, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nine points. So yeah, we are second with fifty points. Bristol City are the seventh place team. With forty-one points, I think also, I sort of said this at the time, but you know, QPR a team that were theoretically one of the teams sort of chasing us for a playoff spot, and you know, they, they didn't really look up to much, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I, I want to actually, I think a starting point here is is how bizarre I found QPR's approach to this game. You know, they were really negative, time wasting from about well, I'd say in the first ten or fifteen minutes. And it really surprised me that that was their approach because they're on an excellent run. I think they were unbeaten in six or seven uh, in all competitions. Um, they've got some players that you know you and I certainly have kind of uh, cast admiring glances towards and and hoped United might be able to sign them. So Luke Freeman's the obvious one, uh, Eze as well, the the young attacker, you know, Naki Wells as well to a, to a lesser extent. But yeah, they ju- they just didn't have a go at all. I mean. I think it was on uh, on the Stat Zone app. They didn't have a single shot within twenty yards in the entire game, and uh, you know the only efforts that they did have were sort of basically trickled through to Henderson, who had probably one of his his quieter games of the season, I suppose. So yeah, slightly bizarre from QPR. I thought I thought they'd be much more sort of giving us a bit of a game, but yeah, we just sort of held him at arms bay, got a goal ourselves, and uh, yeah, didn't ever really need to get out first gear. I thought. Do you reckon that's uh, probably about right? Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? It's a really weird game, yeah, because QPR came unbeaten in four. Um, mm. You know, they were on fire, quite frankly. They took Villa all the way and they should have probably won at Villa Park. They'd had some really good kind of results and performances to go with it on their XG data. They looked good and solid. They weren't giving much away at the back. I think they kept they kept three or four clean sheets as well in the last kind of five or six games, I think, something like that. I know they're, they yeah, they're, they're Villa, one but... of the better defensive. I think they're... Um... I think they've kept 10 clean sheets, so one more than us. So it's like one of the better defensive teams in the league in terms of clean sheets. Yeah, so, you know, you're talking about a pretty solid team after a very poor start, but as you said, with some good attacking talent. You know, you you love Eze, you spoke about Eze at length. I think most United fans love Luke Freeman and, and mm. want Luke Freeman um, at the lane. So it was, you know, a tough game on paper, and it just didn't come to that, did it? I loved Wilder's comment. It actually, A, it was right, and B, it was funny with the whole... They were just completely time wasting, taking five minutes over everything until we scored, and then it was like a Benny Hill sketch. Yes. They were just sprinting around, getting the ball. You know, the goalkeeper Joe Lumley. It looked like he was like short sighted from a goal kick because he was mm. trying to look downfield and he was like, "Oh, I can't see anything. I'm not going to kick it for ten minutes." As soon as we went one nil up, I've never seen a man run faster to get a ball back. 
Yeah, and I think the first uh, first goal kick he had after uh, after we'd scored went straight out for a throw in as well, which was quite amusing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I did also notice their their right back was sort of cleaning the ball on his shirt every single throw in, and then we scored a goal, and he, he literally didn't do it again for the rest of the game. So we yeah. tried to get on with it, but yeah, it was. I mean, I wouldn't say it was easy. We had to work for no. work for the win, but at the same time, yeah, didn't really need to show much quality, and I think. It just sort of yet again shows how good our defence has been this season in terms of restricting the opposition to, you know, no good chances really. I mean, it's our third clean sheet in a row, as I said. Um, it's only one goal conceded in our last four, and if you want to go even bigger, it's it's just seven in our last ten. Um, yeah, and I think we're we're now on yeah nine clean sheets for the season, which is one every three games, which is one of the better sort of records in the league. So yeah, just a, a satisfying defensive performance. Uh, and a, a very nice goal, very nice team goal finished off by David Double Figures McGoldrick, the world's greatest free signing that doesn't play for Norwich. <laughs> John, John, John Fleck was free as well, let's not forget that. Uh, this season then, OK. Well, OK, there you go. Then, yeah. I just want to just hark back onto the defence. So I remember in our, like, this sounds ridiculous, this whole we had a bad run. We didn't. We had a couple of results where we didn't win. But this this whole, we had a, a bit of a sticky patch. And, you know, people were saying, oh, even early on in the season when we're winning three twos a lot of the time, um, you think of Millwall and Preston and, you know, this defensive lapse or we need to keep clean sheets. And I think at the time, something that we discussed and, and kind of said out there on Twitter and on the pod was, it's not all about clean sheets. It's zeros and ones, really. If you can mm-hmm. keep the opposition to, you know, yeah, you need clean sheets, but then the odd game with one isn't going to hurt you over a long period of time. You know, yeah. you, you can expect that and you can score. We're a good team. We create chances. But you need to put in perspective how good this defence is now. So I've just breathed and recalculated all the XG figures following the weekend. On XG against, so on chances against now, Sheffield United are even better than Middlesbrough. So we're the best team in the league for expected goals against. So the, the quality of opposition chances against us is the lowest in the league. It's 23.51. And we've conceded 28. So we're actually underperforming how good we are. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, you, you can't have any testament. To how many more points would that have been? You know, and that's not through anyone's fault or anything. That's just, sometimes that just happens, you know, the odd chance goes in from a, a you know, a, a poor chance or a mistake or something. But mm. it, you can't even quantify how good this defence is as a defensive unit. And it is the whole team because it's not like we have any, you know, superstar defenders or anything. Although I'll argue Jack and Johnny are going to well in that. But, you, you, you can't. This team is set up to attack. We all know that. We all know that the centre backs are going to play in the opposition half. We all know we're we're all going to try and play in the opposition half if we can. Yet we're also one of the, the most solid defensive team in the league in terms of chances conceded. It's an unbelievable achievement to do that. It really yeah, is because I think most most people, United fans and non-United fans, would say we are an attacking team. You know, we famously get our centre backs getting forward. You know. Well, we don't get goals from all areas of the team. It's not like one of our midfielders is going to hit double figures or anything like that. But you know, generally, people would say we're an attacking team. But yet, we are. We've managed to basically marry the two, haven't we? Of being really yeah. good going forward and really good defensively. And I mean, the the proof's in the pudding, I suppose. Look at the league table, second in the league. I keep looking at it and going, that is pretty darn amazing. I'm I'm very happy with that. I know we were top probably what <laughs> six seven weeks ago, maybe a couple of months, something like that. But yeah, for us to be in second place is uh, is really something, and uh, yeah, just just very very enjoyable at the moment. Um, I think we should just talk a little bit about the goal itself, actually. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, 
because it it was uh, a lovely team move. I mean, there, it sort of started with McGoldrick um, picking it up on the left. He flicked it over a defender and then volleyed a crossfield ball to to Baldock, and then we work it around the box. I think you know Stevens pops up on the right side of the uh, penalty box for some reason, and yeah. you know he lays it back, and then it eventually gets played back to Norwood, who whizzes in the fantastic first time cross. And uh, yeah, McGoldrick's header was so good, the goalkeeper didn't even move. I mean, at the other end of the ground, it took me a moment to realise it had gone in because the defender just stood there. Sorry, the keeper just stood there as it kind of crashed into the back of the net. But yeah, one of those, just a a really good sort of example of the way we play, I think, of, you know, we are a crossing team, but we try and work that that right opportunity for a, well, not only for a a good cross, but to, to get the right man to cross it, who is Norwood, of course, and yeah, we've very much seen that all season since he signed, and yeah, great example of it on Saturday. I thought, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he was an absolute bullet header, wasn't it? Mm. You, I, I love the camera angle from the uh, from the Sheffield from United the goal. Yeah, from the media team, it's just like there's nothing like live action camera angles. If you know what I mean, it's just mm. the, the way that it bullets off his head. The keeper's like not even flicked his hand up and he's passed him. Yeah, so, absolutely brilliant header. And I think, I think I emailed you about it. You know, we we'll go on to McGoldrick separately, but. What made that goal so good was, A, the first bit, which you hit on, which was just a brilliant play out of the tight space and then the ball across the bulldog. Unlike mm. the half volley, like how he controlled that, I'm not quite sure. But the bit that I absolutely loved was that game was all about patience. QPR mm. was sitting in from minute one and you could hear it in the crowd. Get it in the box, get it in the box. You know, this whole thing about early crosses came in. And actually, we hit about five early crosses before that mm. and they didn't really amount to anything. No, I yeah. remember Norwood from almost the exact same position uh, hitting a first-time cross, probably 10 minutes four, and it went straight out for a goal kick. And I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> hang on, what but, do you want? Exactly. <laughs> Got early oh, yeah. crosses or not? Oh, you want exactly. early crosses that we score from? Okay, that's, that's the Exactly, yeah. We, we want a cross in the box that we score from every time. Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> no, but it's like, you know, you, you sometimes need to understand your opposition. So we're playing, again, that game's gone to this, that, not irrelevant, but, you know, it's gone now. Tony Leister, the big German QPR centre-half, who's an absolute... Mm-hmm robust man shall we say yeah he's like a a wardrobe in human form yeah and he loves pushing and shoving <laughs> but um, he's he's got the most clearances in the championship this season out of any right. defender so what is the point in just whipping the ball in needlessly when Tony Leisner is pretty much the best person in the championship at clearing it he gets on the end of crosses that's what he does QPR want you to cross the ball in the box so when, you're not you're not saying don't cross but this is the time where you need to to wait for the opportune moment and I loved that goal because that's what we did. Like you say, Ender Stevens pops up in the right centre forward position. Yeah. I'm, yeah, whatever. That's wild the ball. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's what happens. And then I think the great thing was he he knocks it out to Baldock. And at that point, you know, most of the crowd are probably shouting cross. Yeah, because you've got men in the box. So, yeah, take advantage of it. Exactly. But A, Baldock's not the best crosser of the ball. He's not, mm. you know. And B, what he's seen is that actually Norwood's coming on and he's coming on from a better angle. I won't get into all the technicalities, but I think, you know, I, I, I put some thread out a while ago about half spaces, mm. about how you cross from the half spaces. It gives you a better angle of attack and, and, and all the statsy type things. Well, that's what it was. It was across from a half space. So it was that channel where it's not quite on the wing, not quite central. And what it allowed him to do was put some real whip on the ball. And then McGoldrick just, the thing I love about McGoldrick, I said to you, is the different types of goals he scores. Yeah. He can, the goal against West Brom is a through ball. He actually used a bit of pace on the last shoulder and he's through. The goal against Derby, he's on the last shoulder and he lobs the goalkeeper. Um, you know, and then that goal at the weekend was a proper centre-forwards goal, that. You know, yeah, across, across your, the front of the defender. 
exactly powering it into the net all the pace was on the ball he's just turning it in he's like how good is this man <laughs> he can score a lot of different goals not a lot of strikers in this league can do that some can score mm. a lot of goals but not variety you know he's got a bit of pace a bit of power a bit of height a bit of skill he's got a lot really um you know we spoke about how much we love him <laughs> both of us but it, it was a real stunning goal and you know it, it was interesting actually we say about we don't have a lot of spread of goals through the team that's right, we don't. What we do have a lot of spread through the team is assists. Mm. So I was just looking. So Stevens has got five assists. Norwood has now got five assists. Duffy, McGoldrick, Freeman, Fleck all have three. Clark's got two. Sharp, Washington, Lundstrom, Basham, O'Connell, Egan all have one. Mm, I, okay. I haven't looked at this comparatively, but I'd imagine we've got probably more of a spread of assists through the team than anyone else, considering yeah. how our defenders get high and you know and play balls in the box and things. But that's, really, that's interesting for me because, A, it shows our style of play. Everyone's in those areas to assist, but also that we have real quality, you know, on that final pass, that final cross, despite what some may say. There's a <laughs> lot of quality there to produce that number of assists over a different range of players. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to quickly drop those uh, McGoldrick stats you sent me earlier that you wanted to mention? Yeah, okay. Just basically <laughs> highlighting how brilliant he's been. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking... T- well, Ken goals three assists, so he's running at zero point four assists or goals per ninety played. So that is, I mean, it's not quite Tammy Abraham, Billy Sharp, Neil Moore pay levels, but in terms of output for strikers on combined goals and assists, he's running at the the top seventy five percentile. So the best players in the division in the forward areas, McGoldrick is matching them on output. Mm-hmm. Defensive statistics, I love. So he is in the top five for pressing stats, interceptions, tackles, even fouls in that. Um, you know, McGoldrick is in the top five out of all centre forwards in the league. Mm. He's actually upping his expected assists now, so he's up into 0.15 per 90. The magic number is always 0.2 for both XG and XA. That that is a very good player. There is only right. three, the only three players in the championship who do that. Harvey Barnes was one of them, hmm. um, and he's just come Bye. back. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I don't just want to shove numbers down people's throat, but even better than that, he's, he's, he's overall expected goals, which we discussed about four weeks ago. McGoldrick was massively underperforming. And even we questioned, can that be regressed? Not sure. He's now 12.96 XG, obviously 10 goals. So he's brought that back from five below what it should have been to just under three. Yeah, which oh. I, I guess to sort of, uh, well, not explain that, but expand on it a bit. I mean, that just shows that he's... He's been finishing hard chances in this in this run yes. of goal scoring. He's, the reason he's kind of caught up to where he should be is because he's yeah essentially overperforming the quality of chances that he's getting. So I suppose the the goal against Derby, obviously the one against QPR as well, probably the one against West Brom as well, is still quite a difficult finish. Um, yeah, Absolutely. so good on him. I'm, I'm delighted to see it because yeah, he offers he offers plenty more than goals to our team and the way that we play, but. You know, now we have this ridiculous bonus where he's suddenly finishing. You know, pretty much every chance that comes his way. I know he, I know he put one wide against QPR as well, which is another brilliant bit of football from us. Actually, uh, that sort of um, you know floated Norwood pass, similar to um, I think one he did against uh, oh who was it? Might have La- been D- Derby, I think. Wasn't Derby, it? Derby, yeah, uh, yeah. Sharp yeah. ended up not scoring from, but this one Sharp laid back, and yeah, McGoldrick kind of side footed the volley wide. Wasn't an easy chance by any means, but. I think I could see a few people sort of around me saying like, "Ah, oh, come on, you've got to hit the target." Not not quite that easy, I don't think. But yeah, no. he's, uh it, it's pretty amazing that we've got ten goals out of him in January. To be honest, and yeah, the 
who knows where it's going to finish. I mean, you could end up with 15, maybe more. It's just we cre- we keep creating him. He keeps knocking him in. You, you never know, really. Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, just to add to them stats, it, goal conversions are really easy stat for people to manage. They don't like the expected kind of metrics, you know. So goal conversion is just shots, goals, percentage, yeah. basically. So how many shots per goal and a percentage of that. McGoldrick, last time we spoke, was running at 9%. It was one of the lowest in the division out of all the forwards. So Yeah, I remember you know, Yep, he's now up to 15%. So, well. exactly, yeah. I'm basically just about, I wouldn't say everyone, but most shots he's taken in the last six games, he's scored from. You know, that he's, and his shot selection has got better as well because he has he does have a tendency to try and shoot whenever he can. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it it's beyond like all recognition that this free transfer from Ipswich was a complete write-off um, you know, some people didn't want to sign, and that you know, I didn't want to give him a trial. I remember in the summer, yeah. like, why then, are we wasting our time with this guy? That's right. And then six weeks ago, you know, let's drop him. He's missing big chances after the penalty against, uh, you know, Wednesday, and a couple of misses against Rotherham and, and the like. And the man is now pretty much irreplaceable, despite the fact we signed, you know, and we'll touch on this later. But despite the fact we signed Gary Medina, Wilder seems to really love and want to get involved. You cannot take David McGoldrick out of that team because of a everything else that he offers, the defensive work, the, the linking of the play, the passing, that little bit of pace, but also now his goals as well. Mm. You know, he's just added that extra facet in of what a forward should do, what people said. Well, he is doing it. He's in double figures and, you know, he, he's never had a better scoring rate than this in his life and his XG says he should be getting more. It's highly likely that we're going to have a striker who gets 20 goals this season and a striker who gets 15. That's more than enough to be anywhere near in the top three. You would certainly think so, wouldn't you? Um... Well, you mentioned him there, so we, we can come on to it now, I think, and maybe just talk briefly about uh, the slightly surprising signing of Gary Medine. He would be he would be a long way down uh, my list of people I would expect us to sign, uh, even as much as 10 days ago, I guess. Um, I kind of stayed out of this a bit on uh, on on social media, on, on Twitter and on the S2 forum, I guess, because... I don't know. This is I have complicated feelings about this signing, and I'm going to try and be articulate and fairly brief about them right now. <laughs> I mean, I guess the starting point is: Do I think Gary Medine will help us win more football matches? And the answer is yes. He's a, a different player to what we have. He's extremely good in the air, good physical striker. The you know for a team that crosses all the time, uh, you know he should help us win games. Should you know we we win so many corners, so many set pieces. It's an added goal threat. It's, he's a very different player to what we have. Um, I've seen some people, you know, kind of say, well, you know, is that really the limit of our ambitions getting, you know, just getting Gary Medine on loan? But to be honest, he is probably one of the better options that would be available to us, I think, without spending some serious money. So from a footballing point of view, definitely, definitely get it. You know, Wilder's kind of laid out the, the arguments for that as well. And I, I completely buy that. I guess from a a moral standpoint, this is where it gets a bit uncomfortable for me. Um, You know, I I don't like United signing criminals, basically. That's what it comes down to. And I guess you can say, you know, you can absolutely say, well, he's, you know, he has uh, done his time, served his punishment, and yep, that's fine. You know, you definitely, uh, you know, uh, you get the opportunity to come back into society and show that you have learned your lesson and, you know, I'm certainly not saying, oh, we should never be allowed to play football or anything like that. I guess it's just, uh, I think I would probably have been more comfortable with us not signing him 
it just, just comes down to that, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you know, and, and I mean, it's nothing to do with the fact he played for Wednesday, and I could almost sort of put aside the uh, you know the sort of stuff he said about um, about Sharp and has said about United in the past. I'm not too fussed about that, I guess. I suppose if I had a hypothetical child and I took them to a United match and they asked me to explain why some people hate this guy, would I be comfortable in explaining it? And yeah, this is one where it's like, mm, I don't know, it's a bit weird. And I guess just full, <laughs> full disclosure, I don't really want us to re-sign Chet Evans and I certainly didn't want us to sign Marlon King either. So you know, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty consistent with this. However, I'm not the sort of person that's going to be uh, chopping up my season ticket or you know, <laughs> booing him when he comes on, or refusing to cheer or anything like that. Um, I just think there's, you know, there's some nuance there of, of how I feel about it, I guess. And yeah, it's uh, it, it was a strange. What took me a few days to kind of work out how I felt about it. I suppose I can't, I can't honestly say I'm glad we've signed him, but I am. I, I do appreciate that he will probably make us better. There you go. There's a very long and rambling <laughs> thought process there. Now it's your turn. I'm Tell done. I'm, I'm not getting my. I'm not getting my tin out and armor on. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I. To be honest, yeah, we spoke about this at length privately, and I. I pretty much echo that. I, I didn't want us to resign Chad Evans for two reasons: one, should we say morally, and two, because I didn't think he'd be a good player. Um, yeah. No. The, well, the same uh, with that one. Whereas the opposite is true here. Really. I, I agree. Same with Marlon King. He at the time, you know, I, I wasn't doing stats at the time. I was just a young lad. But when we signed Marlon King. Uh, no, he was a pretty poor aging forward on his, his decline and had a checkered past at best, shall we say. I didn't want us to sign him. There is the nuance with Medine that actually this is a man who gives us something we don't have. I ain't going to talk about off the pitch because I wouldn't, you know, other than the obvious things that he's done, the actual sentence and the actual thing he said about Sharp, which let's be honest, it don't bother me. No, it, I, I don't think it bothered Billy. I know there's this whole oh, he, you know, yeah, he apologised for a friend. I don't think Sharp would have cared at the time. I'm pretty sure Sharp says worse about Wednesday players on a night out as well. I'm not speculating, but I'm sure he does. It's banter, isn't it? In the modern day, that's that's what they do, isn't it? And it, mm. it, it just is. It's just I'm sure when you play for a football team as a professional footballer and you're a little bit silly and get drunk, you get caught up in that football team. I, I'm I'm sure you do. Um, you know because you, it's in your blood, isn't it? You're there every day and the fans are, are egging on or giving you a bit of a stick, you know. So. It's only natural that you side with their opinions and things, but other, the, the, all the other stuff for me is I, I'm I'm not brushing it under a carpet. None of that. I agree with everything that you said, and I think I agree with what most said. But I'm also not in this overreaction generation where it's going to make me stop supporting Sheffield United footballers on a game day. It's you know for that ninety minutes, I am happy to support Gary Medine's efforts to help in Sheffield United win football matches, and I think that That's Gary. A nice way of putting it. Yeah, and I, I think Gary Medine helps us win football matches better than what our current options are. So mm. I, tr- I trust what I do is I certainly trust the manager in terms of people saying about squad harmony. I've got very strong views on this because I don't think that fans have, and it's not I don't either, but I don't think fans have any clue what goes on inside a dressing room. Mm. Um, and I think it's unfair for us to question squad harmony when we have no idea who is a good character or not. For example, I do not mind sharing information that I know because I know some people in football that Lee Evans wasn't the greatest character in the Sheffield United dressing room. He wasn't bad. Mm, you know, I'm not saying other people say this. I think, uh, I don't know if it's Alan Biggs, but some, it might have been a star journalist say, you know, the, in fact, I think it was Alan Biggs and it was in reference to Gary Medine. And he, he basically said, you know, this, this team 
Well, this squad police. almost weeds out. Yeah, polices itself. That's that's it exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Alan will know because he does know, and it is right that this squad police itself. It does not need a manager intervention. Um, it hasn't needed it. You know, despite what forums may say sometimes about drunken nights out, but it, it's it's got strong, strong characters, and you cannot come into that dressing room and be anything other than about that team and that badge. Um, you know, and that's not naive to think that. That is just the way that side has been built. And there is no way Gary Medina is coming in and upsetting that. It just won't happen. Um, yeah. You know, so if it, I think he's here and he's a good asset in terms of the football pitch. So um, I am, put it this way, now when I reflect, take away all the off the pitch stuff because he's signed. So there's nothing we can do about that. Am I happy with Kieran Dowell, Gary Medina and Ollie Norwood on a permanent for January? Yeah. Um, enough to be, yeah. I'm very happy with that. I think, you know, just to briefly touch on Dowell, won't talk about the Barnet game because everyone was useless. Dal was the least useless of the lot. <laughs> uh, you know, so that, that's that gone. Um, but against QPR, even in that little cameo we had in a very tight game with not much creativity, I thought there was some nice touches and nice control. I think yeah, he tried, he tried a few things, didn't he? I think, and that's the point of Kieran Dowell. He's going to exactly. try some things. D- Duffy is the controlling attacking mid. Duffy is the one who can link play, who can play through balls and passes around corners. He can beat a man, but that's not what he does. Dowell is going to try flicks. He's going to be a bit more dynamic and burst through. He's going to try shots. And that's what we needed for games Definitely. where, you know, for games where we're struggling. So I'm happy with our window as a whole. And that's probably the best way to sum that up. Yeah. No, completely agree. Um, all right. I know we're a bit pushed for time. So just quickly, from the position that we're in at the moment, <laughs> we're, we're almost certainly going to make the playoffs. Yes, yes or no? Yeah. Yes. So I recommend anyone who is on Twitter to go and look at, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a Sheffield Wednesday fan, Peter Lohman, who's a, Dan- a Danish guy. Um, mm. He's a brilliant, he's a proper statistician. He's not me. I look at performance data. He's a proper statistician. Um, mm. And he's done this brilliant thing for the EFL Championship, League One and League Two, where he's looked at the points per game change after game 27. Right. So how much a team improves or, or reduces their performance on a points-per-game basis after the game we've just played until the end of the season. Very briefly, it, it's a very complicated graph, but basically the team in second generally doesn't reduce much their points-per-game across the mm. last 15 seasons, which means pretty much the team in second, who is in second now, 66% of the time they finish second. That, that, that's what his data said. Wowzers. Now... <laughs> I did a very short, condensed version of this because I think the championship has changed dramatically in the last five seasons in terms of the, not just the money, but the spread of money. I think you go down as far as Aston Villa in 12th can go out and spend £6 million on a Croatian goalkeeper now. Mm. You know? And that's, no one even knows who he is, but that's who he is. You know? And that's, that's the type of money that's around in this division. So I've looked at the last three seasons. In the last three seasons, the team who has been in second after 27 games has only not got promoted twice. Right. So, this, yeah, <laughs> the odds are we are, I can't even work out the odds, but I think there's more than an 80% chance we finish in the top six. And there is a high chance that we will finish in the top two. High. See, I, I don't want to reach for top two just yet. I know that implies that somebody, I mean, we are top two on merit uh, and the data backs that up as well. But um, I don't know, it, it still just feels a little bit of a reach when you've got teams like West Brom around you. And st- I really thought Stoke would be able to make a run as well, but they're still uh, still getting their stuff together. I mean, yeah, just looking at the league table, I mean, 
you know, if these are the teams chasing us for the playoffs, Bristol City, Hull, Forest just changed their manager. Birmingham, you know, kind of a nothing team, really. QPR, who we just beat. QPR above Aston Villa, by the way, despite us beating them. Yeah. It it looks incredibly likely that we will finish in the top six. And I, I looked at the points needed to make the playoffs over the last 10 seasons. So I basically took the... The total of the team that finished seventh, and then I just just added a point on. Um, yeah, yeah. The, la- the last ten seasons, the average needed was seventy two point six. So call it seventy three points. United are on fifty points at the moment, which means so, we need twenty three points from our final nineteen games. Would probably be enough to make the playoffs. Now, twenty three points from nineteen games would be crap. Like that would be <laughs> a rubbish end to the season. Yeah. Um, it would actually. Uh, Compared it to last season, it would actually be worse than our final 19 games last season. So, you know, remember when when we're relegation form last season? Yeah, so we got 26 points from our last 19 games. So if we're worse than we were last season, we'll still probably make the playoffs. Yeah, I think... I think the interesting thing about that as well, considering people always look at this tough away runner fixtures we've got, well, consider we've also got five of the bottom six to play at home. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to win every game, but our home form... And against sides that are below top ten, he's extremely good. Yeah, you know, it's all it's the whole of the bottom five actually. Yeah, I mean, this the only other thing to say about that graph in that connection with that is what it did show is after this point, teams in the bottom five massively increase their points per game because they mm. do start fighting for their life. And I guess um, tool up a bit in in January as well. Exactly, and it's uh, it's amazing how much a motivator your career can be because that's what it mm. is. Championship to League One is some players' careers. That is, you know, in yeah. terms of earnings, that is their career. They will never peak above this if they go down. So you do get a bit of a fight for life scenario, but still, I, I'm. I think we, you know, just to briefly sum up, our home form is going to be make or break. Basically, mm. if we continue our home form and what it is now, we will make the playoffs and potentially more. Obviously, the more will be dependent on how we perform in the away games. We do have some extremely tough away fixtures and we are historically not very good even from the league one season uh, away fixtures at top six clubs mm. so but that said i don't think apart from the middlesbrough game earlier on which we've already said was an outlier because it was so it, you know close into the season we're never really out of games we're, yeah. we're just not you know against these sides and west brom have had harvey Barnes stuck off them norwich are in a they're, they're getting not bad results against good teams. West Brom at the weekend, they drew 1-1 and they're, they're playing well, but they've had a little, you know, a sticky run. They also have leads away to play. Mm. They also, you know, the same fixtures we have, a lot of the teams in the top six have. So, listen, this league's crazy. People go on runs all the time, but I, I don't see how we don't make the top six just from data of, mm. of historically what has happened and our performance data this season. Our performance data says we're the best team in the league. Yeah. Our XG says we're better than Leeds so make of that what you will I get it's just a spreadsheet telling me that but it, that's what it says and right now we're in second we are potentially underperforming our goals conceded we're, you know, but we continue to make good chances we continue to get even more clinical we look even better at the back um, you know, we're, we're tweaking all along and hopefully we can make maybe one more addition in January as maybe, maybe another forward who can do something out of the ordinary, a bit of, bit of pace or a bit of dynamism or something to add to the group. And before you know it, we'll, we'll look so strong. Mm. And I, I have to say, you know, if we did make the playoffs, you know, if we're ever going to win them, I think Wilder's probably going to be the manager to do it, isn't he? Yeah. I, yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, to make the top two, 
average over the last 10 years is 84.4 points. So that would be another 35 points from us, if you like, which is a, that seems a lot to me. I don't know. From 19, 19 games. So what, if you round it up and say 20, three points a game, 60 points available. Yeah, so it's about, about two points a game, isn't it? It's just over 50% of games to get results in, though. It is a lot. It is a lot. I agree with you. And again, with those fixtures coming up, I think we will lose some games. You know, we are. Yeah. That, that, I'm happy we have a point cushion because I think we're going to need it. Yeah. Is what I would say. But 27 games is not a small sample size anymore. We're in second after 27 games. That is not a small sample size. That is more than half the season. All yeah, exactly. All I ever get thrown at me when I talk about XG, especially from Sunderland fans, is. Um, the table is the only thing that matters. Well, okay, if the table is the only thing that matters, we're in second after 27 games. That tells me we're the second best team in the league. Yeah. So we should be fine, right? That's... Well, we're definitely not going down. That's always good. Um, I did notice, it's interesting what you said about the championship sort of changing over the last few years. And yeah, I did notice the points needed to finish second um, has actually gone up quite a bit in the last few years. So yeah. I said the average was 84.4, but... Last year, 89, year before 86, year before 89. Do you know that Hull got promoted in 2012-13 with 78 points? Now, that might not that, that might not be enough to finish sixth this year. Yeah, so, honestly. just didn't manage that. The, the thing is, the spread of the league is so crazy. The teams at the bottom, just they, they can't compete. You know, yeah. I, know Rover, I know Rotherham took us all the way, but over the course of the season, Rotherham will not be able to compete. Ipswich, yeah, they won on, so they're not going to be able to compete. So... It's almost like you get these odd teams at the bottom that shoot up from League One that just aren't good enough. But then the spread of teams at the top has just it's gone far and wide now. There isn't that one or two big clubs anymore. The, the, you know, top six is full of big teams now. And, and even below that, Villa in 12th, Swansea in 13th. Yeah, some decent-sized teams who've had good recent history who are nowhere near the top six. Mm, it, it's pretty. That puts into perspective how bloody well we're doing. Yeah, I'm just, so I'm just checking Twitter to see if uh, we can do some live reaction of Marcelo Bielsa resigning, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, unfortunately. Have you seen this? Have you been too busy today? I have. Before we got on the call, I did see he called a press conference. Yeah, which I assume is to uh, apologise for being a being a dirty cheat. No, I, I don't care about this spying thing. I'm sure every club does it, to be honest. Or, or if not every club, then I'm sure it is at least fairly commonplace and... Not really a big deal in the slightest, but yeah, uh, it does. It. Everyone does it. Everyone yeah. does it. Of course they do. Bielsa's broke out a PowerPoint presentation, apparently. So I don't know. Maybe it's just talking about how he's uh, boosted profits at Leeds or something. It doesn't look like he's resigning. That's a shame. That would be very funny, and also continue the trend of uh, uh, challengers being weakened. I suppose with uh, Harvey Barnes leaving, Forrest sacking their manager. Lovely. It would have been uh, everything everything coming up United, but never mind. Um, oh, what was I going to say just to finish off there? I can't remember. Maybe that was it. I'm sure I had a nice finishing off point. Oh, yeah, Swansea. Let's talk about Swansea very quickly, which is obviously our next game. Um, this will be interesting because, obviously, we played them the first game of the season, which we ended up losing, and it was a bit of a... I wouldn't say a kick-in-the-teeth kind of loss, but it, was, it kind of flattened the mood a little bit. Um... I look back at the team that day and it's it's not hugely different to what uh, is likely to play uh, this weekend, what I would say is our strongest team, but there is the major differences of three men right in the middle of the team, uh, which is Norwood, Duffy and Sharp coming in for Lee Evans, John Lundstrom and uh, Leon Clark. And yeah, just 
like just those three players. I think those will be the only three players that are different this weekend from that first game. But what a difference those three players make. What a step up in quality in the space of a few months to our starting team, I suppose. And obviously Sharp was uh, was already here. Duffy was already here. But you know, to get them in and playing the way that they do, it's uh, yeah. That to me underlines the progress we've made actually this in the season itself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I mean, it was you know, it's the first game of the season, but you're right. The, the progress of the makeup of the team has changed somewhat, and the performance of players on that day mm. has, has, has you know massively improved as well. Who played that day? So it'll be an interesting one. Um, Swansea are an interesting team. Have a lot of movement, a lot of pace. They play with a lot of verticality. So if we get caught with the ball high up the field, they play quick. They play forwards. Um, they, they can create good chances, but they have one of the they have one of the biggest differences between expected goals that they should have conceded and that they actually have conceded. So they look like they've not got a bad defence, but on paper it's actually one of the ones in the bottom six. Oh really? Yeah, they concede a lot of chances per game. A lot. Right. Um, there's a really good guy on Twitter who does similar what I do for the Blades for Swansea Swans Analytics. He kind of just joined up in the last month or so. And he mm. did a nice little head-to-head breakdown of the stats between us and Swansea. Just, just basic things like big chances per game. So a chance that basically hardly any defenders there you should, you should score from. They concede 1.5 per game. We concede 0.8 per game. Wow, so that, almost twice as much. Exactly. And when you consider our whole game plan is based on creating big chances, you know, the logic would say, especially in an away game, I think, were, I think this is something that could help us in the second half of the season. I think Wilder alluded to it the other day that teams are now going to come to the lane and sit in like they did at the mm. second half of last season. Well, actually, we're playing Swansea away. They're a mid-table team. They need to start winning to get anywhere near the playoffs. Mm. Well, they're going to have to come out and have a go a little bit, aren't they? And and that might just suit us because then we, when we do carry forwards, there might be some space. And we actually have players who can exploit space. You know, So uh, this might suit us in the odd away game to have a little bit more license to, to play into some open spaces rather than to have to make intricate things work for us. So that'll be interesting yeah. to watch. I presume you uh, don't expect Medine to be starting this game. No, good God, no. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Not because it's Medine or anything wrong with him, but because how we, how are you dropping Sharp or McGoldrick? How, yeah. On what I, earth does that happen? I, I would. The one thing that I don't think will happen, but I could understand actually, is Duffers will probably play, and rightfully so, but I wouldn't mind if Dow played because I think there will be a little bit of space to run into, Hmm. I think there'll be a bit more open space. I think the game will be in transition a lot, so maybe Dal's dynamism. But I don't think he will start. You can't change a winning team. You, you just can't, can you? This, this team has been on fire. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't change this winning team. No. 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 <laughs> I, it is our it is our peak eleven. I think. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So you you can't change it. But I wouldn't. You know, that could be one maybe that I could see. But other than that, I, I don't see anything. Yeah. Nice one. All right, mate. Uh, sorry, we've slightly overrun there. Thanks for giving up your time. Have you got anything uh, you want to plug quickly before we go? Any uh, pieces of work? No. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have so much on the computer. Like oh, I've got like five minutes needed to do on a lot of work. Some Chef United, some generally FL stuff. Um, but I just, yeah, time, personal lifetime has taken over. I've even had to turn down the invitation to go on Alan Biggs' show. Um, tomorrow, that's a, that's so a serious name drop. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going on. Yeah, I was going on with George Ellick from Not the Top Twenty Pod, um, and oh, we, yeah. we were just going to have a statathon. Basically, we we're going to talk stats um, and, and betting. It was going to be good fun. And instead, they've now got the guy who does the Wednesday pod about stats. So me and you, I think, are trendsetters. I'm going to be honest. 
I'm, se- I'm seeing more pods about stats now, so that's me and you. I'm seeing more accounts about Twitter stats. Again, we do that. Our thing is going a well, well, a long way here. It's good. I mean, not not claiming credit for this, but uh, it is enjoyable uh, seeing the conversation. Uh, well, I don't want to say become elevated, but go in new directions. There you go. That's a much better way of describing it. Because um, yeah, I, I think before I started doing this podcast, I just didn't really. I hadn't really found these kind of conversations that were taking place. I, you know, I, I guess I'd just not really paid attention to it, and now I'm much more invested in it. And yeah, I see. You know, I, I follow your a lot of your conversations on Twitter as well with um, you know the likes of uh, Swans Analytics, isn't it? And um, uh, there's a Brentford one as well. I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, it's just interesting seeing uh, all these conversations going on. And yeah, uh, you know, more power to everyone really because it's. Uh, it just makes uh, following United and following football generally even more interesting and even more enjoyable when when we win and we can say, well, we won because we're so bloody good and that's what the data says. Yeah. That makes me like 5% happier. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, matey. Uh, thank you very much for giving up your time as always. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, chat for a little bit longer after the Swansea game mm-hmm. next week. Well, hopefully, yeah. you know, we haven't won five in a row yet this season. I saw this. We've won, I, we've won four in a row a few times, but then lost the fifth one. But Yeah, we keep getting, keep getting busted, don't we, at the fifth go? So this could be the one. To be fair, it's not a bad position to be in. If we, if we win four, lose the fifth game for the rest of the season, I think we'll probably get promoted. <laughs> I like Unless it. the fifth game happens to be at Wembley, but let's not talk about that. I like it. Let's not talk about anything like that. (laughs) Right, I will uh, speak speak to you soon, mate. All right, cheers, pal. Take it easy. Cheers, mate. Bye.